The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. the meeting to order and uh, first item next item is to set the agenda and there are two copies at each of our places um, one is has uh, for item six a b and c and the other has items a through g and I, that's the one i believe we want to drop this morning i would uh suggest we remove d d just as it, it's duplicate of c yep <laughs> Is that a motion then to pass the rest? Yes. <laughs> There's a motion and a second to adopt them. Any other discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, introductions and chats. We don't have any alternates here at the table this morning. Yes. Um, I'm technically I'm technically the city's alternate. Oh yes, you are. That's right. Thank you for that clarification, Jeff. And the other Jeff. We'll do introductions. Oh, Jeff Orbson for Redondo. Mark Okay. And Jerry Vanderst. Just walking in at this moment and welcome to staff as well. 
acceptance of the September 8th, 2022 draft minutes. Item number four. I'll move approval. And I'll support. Motion by Tom, support by John. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Item five, public comments. Anyone wishing to make comments this morning? Hearing none, on to item six, the unfinished business. So item A, water rate affordability, affordability report and follow-up.
And in here, I found it a little challenging to, uh, and, and, and it's just the nature of, I didn't write it, so I didn't study all the graphs or whatever, but it'll say like, we're gonna use Alice and 150% of this or two, you know, that it would maybe give a dollar amount or something for some perspective. Does that make sense to you? That it would be, you know, either like, which is X amount. So when I get to the suggestions portion, I started going through and I'm like, I, I don't really know what that means. So I got to go kind of figure out what is this number for 250% of FPL and then 150% or 150 to 250 or, or what have you. And on page 17, yeah. there, there's some information about $54 a month. And I had a question just, just whether that is, would that be just the water's portion or is that 100% and it would be 50% to sewer? Right, that's the water portion. Okay, so it's $54 a month for just the water portion. Correct. Okay. Right. And I know that in the system, we have a lot to sort out as far as there are some customers that are on both water and sewer. So we need to address both of those. Uh, we also know that there are some that are just sewer, not water. So those kind of details do need to be worked out in the, in the final program, that is correct. So there's details there. However, yes, the 54 district deals with water for now. So if someone were both a water and sewer customer, that need would double in essence for that family. Sure. However, to note that when we looked at the total delinquencies, I think we noted that for the current year it was on track for about 300,000 total. That is a total for both sewer and and that's, I wonder if there's a way to quantify, thinking about that aspect, if there was a way to quantify not just delinquencies, but who is eligible and how much would it be? Or is the assumption people who are eligible aren't going to do it because it's too big of a hassle? The problem with predetermining eligibility is it's based really on an income requirement. Right. So each family you have to receive proof of income. That Agreed, so yeah. That but I mean, is there some way to project or? I understand what you're doing. You're just saying, here's what delinquent is, but if somebody's eligible, we, wouldn't you apply for $1,200 a year? If if they, yeah, they would, if they, so theoretically, that's why we base the numbers on the current delinquency total. So theoretically, if we funded all the delinquency um, through that, it would be that half a percent on the rate impact. Um, the, the assumption being that, we, well, not the assumption, the fact is we don't know exactly how many people actually will qualify, but worst case is that all of the services will be covered by the program. So until we actually start vetting families and actually getting income data from them through the application process, there's unfortunately no good way of projecting how many people really in of the 300,000 delinquencies would truly qualify because but we're talking about not just funding delinquencies, but funding all of their bill, perhaps, or some component no, portion, of only the basic needs portion of the bill. Okay. That was an important piece of, I think, in the report, the idea of conservation, because if you simply fund any and all water use, there's no incentive for conservation. And I think the idea being that uh, behind the report is that to create some affordability, you're trying to create affordability to meet basic needs, not any and all water use. And, and that's where the idea of determining what a basic water use is and only funding that, again, for people that are qualified. I'll give a for instance where we have a little difficulty in the projections. 
for instance, delinquent fees rise out of many different reasons. Some of them uh, are from people who simply have moved and just not paid that bill. And, and until again, until you vet out every single one and figure out why that particular account is dealing with, you don't know. But we do know that there are some of those. I mean, we just we did a smattering and checked into a couple, and some of them are just because people moved away and just didn't pay the bill. Um, certain things though, uh, there are quite a few of the bills that are businesses that have just delayed because the water shutoffs have been you know held off. Again, the idea is if I don't have to pay the water bill, my water bill won't get shut off. I'll just wait until they force me to pay it. And there's some of that out there as well. But again, the idea behind the report was okay, let's take the book end of $300,000 worth of delinquencies. If we were to fund all of that, and hopefully it would, the need would be less, it would be the half a percent rate impact. So I agree, we struggled and struggled and wanted yeah. to find some. Is there any way to go to the CAA and ask them how many people are receiving X from the state of Michigan? Because I think you you refer to that as a, uh, a, a basis for providing the services. I don't know if it's, uh, welfare or whatever it is. I think in your report, it says, you know, some people receive money from the state and they would automatically qualify or something of that. Nature. Yeah, the idea is to use, so there are different qualifiers. In this case, we recommended uh, to discuss with the city that Alice income threshold. Um, there are other thresholds for other programs, such as 150% of the poverty level or some are 200% of the poverty level. The idea, the idea being to work with CAA to try to find kind of the most common qualifiers so that we know if they qualify, and CAA through their process qualifies a family based on, let's say, if we use the Alice threshold, um, because that is used for other federal programs. That means the family doesn't have to try to re-qualify yeah, yeah, every yeah. single assessment. Yeah. So that, that was the only point of trying to find a common qualifier. Is there a way to go to CAA and say, who fits in this qualification and who fits in that doesn't have to be individuals, but numbers or some way to quantify what we may be trying to approve. They, again, they would only be able to call to maybe answer that question based on the current clients uh, that they have. Sure, but I mean, that would be something more than nothing. Again, it would be something, but I think that was our, that was our goal of providing that current, basing it on the current delinquency. You guys would not need to fund any more than that current delinquency. That's the that's the bookend for you. So the idea being, if we have a three hundred thousand dollar current delinquency, that's that's the maximum. And the idea that there would be accounts that would be weeded out of that because, like I say, they moved away or other reasons that they aren't really income qualified. So the only reference point we can reliably give right now is the okay. That's the worst case scenario. It can it can only get less from there. So I guess, Brian, um, one of our challenges is kind of like looking at all the service area and looking at a family who's a water customer and they're they're not Alice household, but they've been paying their water bill. How do we say they're not qualified, but an Alice household that doesn't pay their water bill is qualified? How, I, I guess that's kind of getting to some of the challenges that Peter's bringing up. Yeah. Things of the, of the overall program. I guess I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Um, that's not really the bookend because there's possibly a bunch of people out there that would qualify but are paying the water bills. Right. right. Yeah, I think that's what we're getting at is that there's there's folks that, that don't pay the water bill. Yeah, there's there's Alice folks and they don't necessarily they're not they don't they don't jive together, so to speak. 
Right. right. And if they and if they pay their water bill, then they're off our radar. We have no way of knowing whether they're in that qualification. But with this program, we're saying we're going to provide a, a basic. They might. Right. We're going to provide some some dollar figure, twenty six or fifty three dollars a quarter or a month. It's going to go with your water bill. That essentially every house family would qualify for that. And, and I don't. The I believe the state numbers for Alice are based on their, their regional numbers or not necessarily we can look at census track and try to determine populations within census tracts that might fall. We can take a look at that and see if we can find that number. Yeah, I just think it would be nice to quantify it. And and, and when you're saying the delinquents is the max you would pay, like three hundred thousand dollars. I guess I want to understand why that is. I'm just thinking. Aren't they delinquent every quarter? So it's three hundred thousand dollars a quarter, and somehow it gets paid, or no? It's it's not, never that, pay, or? that looks like the annual total. Okay. So at the end of the year, we so the delinquency is at the end of a year. Right now, they're tracking to be about three hundred thousand. So if it's three hundred thousand dollars today, are are you are they shutting off or not shutting off? So they don't pay it for. I guess I don't understand how at one point in time the delinquencies are what what it would be. Why wouldn't it be that every quarter? Um, okay, so again, that's an annual annual end. So as we look at the end of the year and the total delinquencies at the end of the year look like they're on track for about a three hundred thousand. That does change year to year, and the idea is that the city does work with those users to try to get everybody that they can to pay their bill. Right, so, right. So, so if somebody qualifies. And pays their bill, they're no longer delinquent, but theoretically they might qualify for this program. They could. They so, could. Yeah, so I and don't know how that delinquency gets us to a good estimate. Well, and there's, yeah, there's also, I guess there's other programs that are administered through CAA. I think the city's enrolled in BIWAP, which is one that is a bed program that's taking care of the actual delinquency, but not water use. So there's, there's that portion of it as well. So I, I think the idea being that uh, I, we'll, we'll look and see how many people might qualify for that. And I agree the idea is to make sure that we don't set up a system that just doesn't have an end to it. Sure. Um, and there's also going to be limited funding. So it may well be that you know, the funding is going to be endless. Let's say if you decide to implement, say, the half percent rate change for that, there's a certain amount of funds that that will generate. And then that is all that's available. So as people try to income qualify, there may be other more, I guess, uh, precise qualifiers underneath Alice that we have to, to again, try to make sure we focus on those with the most. So it's not just the first come first serve. It's, there, there could be some other qualifications as well. I think those are the details. Yeah, yeah, I think there. there's quite a bit to scope out to kind of get to the place where we say this is something that would be an appropriate model. And I'm just trying to flesh out what's in the report oh, more than anything. Yep, and I totally agree. I think the difficult part here is we the report was really focused on presenting the the basic background and the idea and the methodology and concept behind it. So it would be the idea of if this was something that you guys thought made sense to move forward with. Now we get into the weeds after this point. Yep, exactly. Those are exactly the types of things we want to make sure that we move forward. So if let's say if by November you guys decided yes, we want to move forward, that's when we start working with the city and the CAA and you guys to exactly flesh out all these details before we actually implement the program. 
and it, that's just a detailed workout then. And, and all that is a collaborative process. So any approval that we'd be asking for in November is just for the concept of yes, we think this type of a program makes sense. Let's start getting into the weeds. That's it. So I agree. A lot of detail yet to work out. 100% agree. It, it sounds like from the report that there's a lot of need for somebody may not have the income, they might be elderly, whatever reason, to pay their bill, and I totally get it. And then, you know, their plumbing's junk. And it seems like that could be a pretty important component of this process to assist someone. And I, I see it here where it says, like, you could use HUD or, you know, another source, but it seems like that would be something that would be important to this group as well is to coordinate across all the communities some means of um, to providing that type of assistance rather than, you know, if a person gets into a house that's old and it needs whatever, and it sounds like it's costly, but it's something for us to consider from, and I think you can hear it said you could fund that through this. It sounds like that's a pretty big, uh, project it, it could be added to this what we're suggesting right now and again that's the would be the partnership for both caa and several community organizations because i think the idea is to be a hub to help pull those other resources in to solve part of the problem so yes there is hud money that's available for some of it um a good example of hud money that's a, an issue is for instance uh if they have an energy issue um and they need insulation but there's a leak in the house, they can't get the insulation installed until the leak is fixed, but HUD won't pay for the leak. So that's when you have other community resources bring in. That's where the partnership with CAA and with some of the local, you know, get home improvement uh, folks that are geared to helping and providing that assistance so that we can pull all of those steps together. Again, it doesn't have to be administered through this program, it just means that they're partners to the program. I think that's really key, right? Um, James, I would just ask you, I think in here it refers to uh, the city funding some of that. I, I don't know if it's DPD or whoever it is where they were educating people about like water, yeah, electric, or right. whatever it was. And then they were providing like package of stuff, you know, light bulbs and a, a shower head and a whatever. Do you, do you get like we, we paid 10% of that for people in the city, or how, how did that, or was it just we want to support it, or? So this our programs are Helping Neighbors Program, it's a partnership with Consumers Energy. Um, there's an incentive, uh, certainly Consumers Energy has, is they're looking to reduce folks' usage of natural gas. Um, you have to be more environmentally yeah, yeah, sustainable. And so um, natural gas usage in homes aligns well with water usage, you think about you know, doing a shower, dishes, or laundry that's hot water use, that's also, you know, that's kind of natural gas, and your water use coming together. So uh, we work with Consumers Energy through that partnership. We funded uh, marketing materials. Uh, so we paid for the mailers and the information that went out. Um, and then Consumers Energy paid for um, those fixtures, like the low and some of those other things. And then the city funded, um, our toilet digest kit and okay. toilet repair kit. Okay. So that's available to all um, system customers, both on the wastewater side and drinkwater side. Um, if any system customer wants, uh, first we'll send you the toilet test kit. It gives you some instructions and things of how to create out of there. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and it's, when we say that, it sounds like, well, shouldn't everybody go to the toilet sleeping? Really, 
You might not know <laughs> because it's really it's water that's in that back tank yeah. that leaks down into the front hole. And sometimes they can they can do that and not make a noise and there's no visible yeah. evidence of it. Uh, so we give you a dye tab that goes in the back and then you'll change the color in the front. And then if that is the case, uh, we provide a what's called a toilet repair kit and a new flapper and everything in the back of the toilet. Okay. Yeah. So that can help with you know, getting after usage that's you know, not going to a purpose because certainly somebody's watering their grass, they know they're doing that or potentially yeah, yeah. but you just have this, you know, leak going on, striving to go. Now uh what I've seen and I don't know what and I understand what you're saying that it makes a lot of sense to um educate people and then provide it should they decide they want to make make this next option. What I've seen was uh that consumers would provide like a low flow Fitting, you know, a couple of light bulbs, yeah. a shower head. Um, and my my thought was I really would prefer to see where if somebody requests it, they get it. Correct. Which I think is great. Correct. And yeah, yeah, it's it's an yeah, the, I think it's great. Request it. And then you yeah, have so yeah, there's um, additional details in the consumer program if you go through those next steps, if you yeah. really do the work, um, you can set up a home energy audit where they'll come okay. in. Identify areas where you're losing heat energy throughout the home, yes. and uh, it can work. You know, help you identify solution pathways. Yes, no, I think that's great. Now, you do the toilet fix and the dye pads. What about like low flow? You know, I'm assuming this is something that's through on your sink. Do you provide that as well? Uh, we haven't, we, we aren't currently right now um, yeah. because of the way the partnership worked. They had those items yeah. and we identified the kind of the gap in there was the toilet. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's yeah. where we came through sure. those items. Sure. In the future, uh, I believe that would be a possibility um, that could get after you know, some of your sustainable goals in terms of water usage and things like that that we could provide um, you know, low flow fixtures. Sure. sure. My, my thought, and I'm only one of many, but it would be that you would address that. But through the I need it. Right, don't just send everybody yeah, a shower. Yeah. So, so here's an example. I got the box. Got a shower head, a low flow thing, one, and I probably need maybe six or eight of them. You know, to do everything in your house, right? Whatever. Uh, light bulbs and some other stuff. Most of it not so sustainable. It's in my garbage. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to do what you're doing and educate by the people around it. Yeah, you know, provide it for sure. But I just wanted to share that, you know, you get this box and most of it is in the garbage. Yeah, we would, yeah. So yeah. I encourage you not to. And even with the toilet stuff that we do, yeah. the first thing that goes out is the dye tab. Okay, sure. And so that's the kind of, if you're not willing to go any further, then that's it. No, I think that's great. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. So thank you for sharing that point. I see one question. If you don't mind, I have a second question. That is currently, I think, under the old contracts and the new water contracts, the townships, I think the city, I guess the same thing with the residents, yearly, going from customers put on a tax, tax bill. That's, so I don't know how many delinquent you had on a yearly basis because of the tax bills. How would it affect that? 
course. Actually, I think that's addressed in the report. We did say that that's still a policy that the city was going to continue. I think the same thing with shutoff notices are still going to go out. There's still encouragement. You know, the idea that you're receiving a shutoff notice is still important because it does promote people paying their water bill. So when they can, oftentimes the shutoff notice prompts that. So I, don't, I think that's that practice along with maintaining the ability to put the water bill on the as a tax lien is still on the table and James, I, I would just ask you, James, in this report there were um thoughts that thought or or comments that the city water bill could be improved. And I just wonder, have you taken any action in that area or thinking about taking action um at, at this point? Uh, could you expand a little bit more on the concept of city water bill could be improved? Yeah, so in here it says, so for example, and, and I'm sure you know more than I do, um, but it says things like somebody gets, I got a bill for like 18 units, which are in, you know, metric cubic meters. Okay, yeah, you know what I mean? You know, or I, they would be able to tell you, but it basically said there's an opportunity there that kind of sounds like low hanging fruit that would be, you know, work yeah, on improve that process, improve that education. And, and I understand that's how the meter reads, but if there's yeah. other things that could be addressed. Yeah, we are we are converting to gallons, but yeah. one of the things that the smart meter um, program does have, you know, kind of baked into it is that the smart meter is reading in gallons. Yeah, so that's going to be for folks to understand. Um, there's, there's a lot of next steps, things that can happen, with the smart meter implementation, um, things such as you know going to you know just kind of that that feedback loop of you know customer awareness on sure you know what they're seeing from from a bill and usage and things like that. We've got some of that now. Um, you know, if you're inclined to do so, you can get on and see what your usage trend oh, are and some of that stuff. So there there is some ability that we have already in place, and I think what, what I'm hearing is that just to continue. And advance that to where there's yeah you know, there's be more barriers on understanding sure bill, your accessibility information. Yeah, my thought is um, I have that ability to go online and look at my electric bill. Well, I don't, but I do have the ability to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and if we were to put something in like I don't know that you have everybody's email or text, but you say you know the people in this program get a note that says or a program. That says, hey, you're at halfway there and we're halfway through the month, right? Or, you know, you're at 75% and it's the first month. Just a formal, you know, just things like that might be very helpful to, to reduce the usage. Yeah, yeah. And those are, there's some, there's some features of the Spartan program that we haven't kind of turned those on yet. There's some software purchases that would have to happen. There's also some, you know the, the back office aspect of it. You know, yeah, oh yeah, ask yeah. the issues that would have to be addressed. But just you know, putting all that stuff aside, some housekeeping issues there. You know, in the future state of where we could be with smart meters would include something like yeah, you could get email text notifications on usage. You know, hey, you're you're exceeding your normal usage during this time. Yeah, yeah, that would be very informative. Uh, like on on electric, you know, when the <clears> summer <throat> hot day hits. They'll send me alert that says, "Hey, it's hot. You you might be using more of your AC." Yeah. And then when the electric goes up, they'll send more. You're using more electric than you 
So that is those features are uh, inherent to smart meter programs that could be incorporated. Uh, and, and I guess I would ask the board, do we want to, you know, know as those things are considered and move forward, just to be informed or suggested or encourage it? Or, but I just thought when I saw the bill thing, I thought if, if there can be improvements, that would be a you know, hopefully not that uh, costly or difficult process to make any tweaks that you might see in the billing that people really would want to see, even if there's a, I don't I've never seen the bill, but even if there was a conversion from those units to gallons or something or other, you know, as yeah, we, we have that conversion that's on our, our we call it tribal. So yeah. you can come uh, to the window, we've got pamphlets that sure. yeah. all about the large sewer bills, give you examples of how to calculate it. Uh, it's also on the website, and so if you're willing to kind of you know, do the work, take the steps to understand your goal more, we've got sure education sure. here out there that will show you that. Okay, I think you should have We also, as part of this, we did meet with the billing department and look to see what what current format changes could be made with the software that we already have. So things like showing a usage history on the bill. Um, again, having the system do that automatic conversion right now, they are for meters currently in meters or cubic meters, and that would change into gallons. Um, having some references, what does that mean? Um, so, again, more of a taking existing information and packaging in a way that's a little more understandable. Yeah, and yeah. Educational. Um, I, so, I would encourage that, and maybe that's something the board should um, at least understand and that they're moving forward with those, you know, I mean, the studies. Working on being completed, that those things are there's a kind of here's the things that are going to occur, and, and as they do, that's great. Right. So, what we've done is we've met with the city building to see what's possible with the current software right now. Um, no changes have been made yet, mm -hmm. but that's I think that's the next stage. Is okay. if that's something we want to move forward with, then yeah, we would go and get back into the weeds with that and basically show what a sample bill would look like and bring that to the hey, this, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the uh, two questions. Number one is, is that without this program, you obviously have costs in the system for delinquency, shutoff, return on. Um, so, there's costs there. Is it anticipated that this program will save those costs so there'd be an offset in terms of <clears throat> city administration? Yes. That's, um, I, I'd say there's a lot of costs and all that. Um, there's also, you know, you can look at each one of those areas and we can focus just on that. Uh, you can look at too much of a billing and look at just, you know, what is the lost time and productivity of you know, kind of chasing everything around and trying to recover uh, those costs. You know, what are the administrative costs of trying to roll something over in taxes? Uh, you know, there's, there's costs for that. Uh, you know, for us within public services, the, the actual direct cost of Crews going out every day working on the water system. There are, you know, some pretty substantial costs of water shutoffs, of you know, going out and turning off those accounts, coming back and then turning them back on, and just that kind of constant back and forth, uh, crew time and everything else. Uh, it, and that's one of the big takeaways of this program is that we would be able to perform shutoffs so that there's that accountability to the system, the checks and balances uh, would be there, but from you know, a public health and, and welfare scenario, you'd be able to connect folks to resources. So, in other words, if 
you're on the shutoff list to come out and we're there to do a shutoff, there's an opportunity to roll you in the program and then you know sustain your water usage and keep it turned on. So we're not just shutting things off on folks. And, you know, there's an emotional cost to that too for our crews that are out, you know, having to turn off water on a family or something like that in July. The other aspect of that is that instead of having our crews constantly chasing shutoffs, that we can be doing direct work to the system, you know, valve program, blood service line replacements, those sort of things to where we're providing the direct input and benefit to the system versus kind of these circular task-oriented missions that are, you know, really kind of uh, arguably not as productive to the overall system. So I'm assuming the report didn't account for that savings because it's probably is it a, is that a noble number or is it? Well, yeah, I would say it would be not perhaps a cash flow savings, but it certainly is in cost accounting for workload savings. You know, if you've got uh, 12 FTEs that are focused on shutoffs, and but you could have 12 FTE focused on lead service replacement, there's a tremendous uh, accounting value to that. Not so much cash flow, we're not going to be bringing in less or more dollars uh, with that. It's just a well, cost accounting of where the work is done. But if you if you can reassign that that uh, the personnel time is something that is useful, yeah, that then, does that then that will have <clears throat> some, that will reflect in the rates because then you don't have to, that's other stuff still needs to get done. Yeah, no, I mean, that's all. So, but I, is, that a, is, that, is that something that's been looked at or is it a noble number or is it? I, mean, I think it's a, a noble number. I think it depends how you, you value it. For example, if we said, um, you know, if city crews aren't engaged in shutoffs and can do 100 more lead service line replacements per year, you know, that, that's a million bucks right there that we don't have to send to the yeah. contractor. So I think you could justify um, and demonstrate those costs. I don't think that's been shown in the report. Okay, so that's not in the report. This right. is just a number of delinquents times 54 bucks. Exactly. There's a lot of what I'll call soft benefits that you get. And that's a great example of crews not spending time shutting off, shutting on a water service. Uh, they're doing something else. So it's an increase in productivity. It's hard to measure that from a direct dollar perspective. So we we tried not to muddy the water too much on this and get into some of the weeds, but there's a lot of those things. As James mentioned, I, I mean, from a, from a human perspective, I don't want to minimize the the type of uh, emotional distress that causes. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to be the person that has to stand in front of a family and turn in that water valve to shut their water valve off. That's hard on crews. Um, and and so again. Taking that kind of stress, not only out of the crew, but out of the family, that, that starts to impact us all in ways that you can't put a dollar on, just as a value of quality of life back to the value for both the crews and the families that are here. You know, the more stress you can take off people in general, I think the nicer society gets, quite honestly. And again, that's another soft thing, and that's very holistic, but it's, I think, it's true. That's, that's again, that's part of what you know, didn't include the report because it's not a fact figure. And one other thing, you, you worked with Bart Foster on determining what that $300,000 Correct. Um, and so I don't know, and maybe it's not appropriate, maybe it's get into the program, but is would it having Stantec as we transition to them as our rate consultant, have them look at it 
and understand what we're considering here. Yeah, Tom has a great point. Um, so the, the UBC and the recommendation for Stantec, we had a whole package of just different work items that happen to work on. Um, so we've got uh, Stantec right now working on um, kind of taking the 20% rate increase back in the budget that we just completed and kind of marrying those items up to you know kind of verify where we're at on everything. The other work item they're going to start working on is water portability. So they've got this report. Um, they're going to start getting into it and working out some of those details of um, how we identify, you know, call, how do we further cost this out and how do we identify funding sources because that's going to be another um, big step for us to uh, figure out. Yeah, because as part of their resume or the presentation, they did have some affordability background there. Yeah. So your contract will be done once you're finished. It's not an ongoing thing, right? Correct. If we normally those grants, the grant under which we're operating would end in September. One was a one-year grant to the state special saying that they tried the affordability program. Because of the magnitude of what is a potential here, um, they agreed to a six-month extension for us. So basically we have until February to, to go ahead and dive into the details. So if it's if the UPC decided to move forward, let's say at the next meeting, say yes, a concept this makes sense to us, we would start diving into details with city staff and CAA and looking at real hard numbers and really getting into the weeds on what what did the, the guts of this program really look like in all the details. We would do that in the next few months so that then we could come back to you guys and say, okay, here's what we think the guts of this looks like. Um, is this something you'd want to continue to move forward? Again, that work would be paid for by the grants. We want to try to wrap that up before February, as long as we have grant dollars for it. And the reason that the state gave us the extension is because of all the, the affordability planning grants, this one was a fairly large one, um, and it was a big nut to try to crack. Uh, and so they're very interested to see what you guys do with that. So, Brian, um, what what next steps do we need to take uh, as to get us to those decision points? Is it just we need to collectively just tell you yes or no, or is it? Um, yep. yep. So, what we did is, uh, you know, talking with James, we wanted to provide do the presentation last meeting, so you guys at least had this. I know it's a lot of information to digest, which is why we thought we'd come back to you today, see if there's any particular questions or other things we need to flesh out before. Uh, in November. I mean, you could do it tonight if you were today if you wanted to. Otherwise, wait until November and decide yes, this seems like a concept that we want to move forward with. And then we'll dive into the weeds as quickly as we can. So we wanted to make sure you guys were on board with the idea before we really started, you know, getting in with staff and basically stirring things up to see if we could make it the dog details or how to make the details work. We know we can make it work, just a matter of what the details are. So it's really up to you how fast you want us to start bringing forward or stop. I heard a lot of questions today, a lot of good discussion, but some of those answers aren't going to come until after there's they dig in further. So it's chicken and egg thing in terms of yeah, what our yeah. group is going to decide. You know, I guess my perspective is there there seems to be some things in here that are are kind of a seem like a no-brainer that, uh, or I don't have to think long about it, um, that I would like to see a better bill or perhaps
staff side might encourage education. Um, and but uh, I'm not at the point where I would say, uh, and I represent a group of people that put me here um, to say I'm I'm all in for uh, providing water with zero cost or a subsidy. And, and that's not. But I mean, there are things though, as though there's some things in here that it would be seems like could be moved forward immediately. You know, how do we get more funding for repair from someone else? Mm -hmm. Or some of that stuff. So I guess that's my perspective. But I think you're right, Libby. You know, there, there, we could continue with the study and we could come to a point and say, no, we don't want to provide a subsidy and we don't want to forgive things. But these are some other things that could happen is, you know, but I think it's, it's, it's going to have to be a process for sure. And I guess your question is why delay it when there's a grant there funding it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's where I'm landing, and I'm hearing we need more detail, but we're not going to get that until they do more work. Yeah, yeah. But I'm. But I think it's um, important to note that what we're not saying is it, let's say you want to move forward with this. The idea is you want us to move forward with fleshing out the details of how the program would work, not actually implementing the program yet. We agree, we have a lot of work to do to coordinate how the logistics work between the city and CAA and billing and, and what exactly does a bill look like. Those things would be fleshed out in the next six months, but then ultimately that whole true details and the whole program would come back to you guys to decide, yeah, do we do we decide we're gonna move forward with this and do a rate change and fund it or not? Um, or maybe a portion of it. So again, it's not a decision today of Yes, we're going to start launching set of this program and move forward. The decision either today or next month is we think that this warrants enough to get into some detail, all the details, and try to work out how would it work. Um, I'm chomping up a bit over here, too. So go ahead. Just <clears throat> I think that we, we're sort of getting into the details, and I understand. I think that sort of mimicking what uh, Brian has indicated. Our decision is really, do we want to support a affordability program in the system, period? The program, we're not going to get into the weeds of what the program is, and we've got some good suggestions, um, but the program's going to, I don't, I don't want to micromanage a program from this table, but I think it's more important for us to say, yeah, we support providing this affordability program to the users of the system uh, from the users of the system. And if we support that concept, go for it. Start the program. I, I, I don't see, again, I don't see us micromanaging. Maybe we can have an oversight of it a little bit, but really I think the next meeting of that would be our decision to, to move forward or not. All right, it's, so, it's interesting. Is there a best practice out there that you identify that someone is doing this? Uh, <laughs> so in the report, that did know of a few different programs of people trying things. Quite honestly, this whole idea is still in the development <clears throat> stage yeah. of people trying different things. And their, their tactics 
actually vary a lot based on geography. I mean, the report ordered one in Arizona where what they're doing is installing a, a disc with a hole in the right. water surface so that you have limited use if you're a thing with a account. So that's great for them because they can get to every water meter that's above ground and they own their freezing there in Arizona. We can't do that here. So that type of a measure is not available. Um, Detroit's been doing a lot of different things. The city of Detroit's doing something different than Great Lakes Water is doing. And I think that was really the emphasis for the affordability planning grant by the state was to give a bunch of communities money to see what best practices might come out of that. Yeah, I'd say Detroit, um, city of Detroit, separate from Great Lakes Water Board, they've got the EWSD Lifeline program. And that's, I've got their program pulled up right here. What's interesting to know is that they've got, based on your income, they've got different monthly bills. So like if you're 135% of below federal poverty, you pay $18 a month for your water bill. If you're above 135% below 150, you're 43 a month for your water bill. Uh, if your monthly bill, household income is above 150% to 200%, so you're kind of in that top, you know, all federal poverty you should pay $56 uh, per month. However, I'll know in the lifeline program, $56 a month water bill in Detroit is more than our city Kalamazoo water bill. So there's still uh, <coughs> been a bit of a challenge for the Kalamazoo communities that in comparison to Michigan utilities, Kalamazoo remained among the lowest and Below the statewide average for for your for water. Um, so when you look at Detroit's program, if you're in Detroit, your uh, your lifeline assistance program is more than our just city council regular one. So that's something that when we go up to the state level, we're going to Eagle, we're asking for funds for projects with DWR, DW. Our SRF, the drinking water safety revolving bundle. We're asking for dollars for the sewer program for state revolving loan funds. When we're going out and trying to get dollars for a utility, we also have to understand that when we compare ourselves to these other Michigan communities, we're already lower than them. So that's a bit of a challenge that you know certainly that doesn't help anybody with paying bills right now. Um, that's not a very popular comment to make. I recognize that, but when we look at ourselves across the entire state of Michigan, we also have to recognize where we are in comparison to other Has that ever been discussed in open meeting or anything like that? We present um, a, a slide uh, as we talked uh, about the, the, the last rate increase recommendations. One of our slides on the screen, and we talked about that, is bar charts of comparison to utility bills. Where Kalamazoo is before the rate increase, where Kalamazoo is after the rate increase. Quite often, we're moving behind Wyoming to in front of Wyoming, and then they raise their rates, and then we go back behind Wyoming, just kind of back and forth for the lowest in the state. Um, and then we show you, you know, what you are from an average statewide average right now for a monthly bill puts you about $69 a month. Um, Kalamazoo is far below that. Uh, I mean, this is like this is sort of like sitting down and saying we're going to invent the food stamp program or something from the ground up, which you need every all the everybody in the room. But we're going to invent a food stamp program that is 
just for Kalamazoo, and then there'll be a different one for Van Buren County, a different one for Detroit, and all that sort of thing, which seems like a like you're referencing, that is a very awkward way to do it. So I, I guess we get back to this basic idea of some local water affordability approach. Do we support that? Because otherwise, I mean, literally, this could be like a blue ribbon panel of experts that spends the next year ironing out all the details, potential problems, pitfalls, on and on and on and on and on. So that's one thing that moves us forward is, is this idea of something with some general parameters that makes sense. But I mean, otherwise, there's no way we're going to figure it out here uh, in the next few meetings before February. So I think that's right. And here's one thing it just keeps complicated for me. So I know the water bills rolls a lien on the property tax bill. That's not treated as property tax, right? So there's, is there a foreclosure process? I mean, just like your house can get foreclosed on, yeah. if you owe hundred bucks in property taxes, does the water bill a surrogate for that unpaid property tax as well? So literally, if it's not paid, you know, you could end up on that county. Uh, I would think, yeah, that's the case. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I don't, that's I don't, how that works. I don't, I don't think that they find that like it's the water portion that puts them up. Situation. No, but I'm just saying theoretically, it doesn't all three years from now, got to get paid by somebody. Right. Talk about property taxes. When townships do cleanups, when they get ordered uh, cleanups, and then lean that on the property, there's two ways things can be leaned. One could be leaned to the property, and one is leaned on the tax. Or it could be leaned on the tax bill, doable and payable as a property tax. And if it's not paid, you will get foreclosed on. The other way to do it is if you lead on the property itself, not the tax bill, or the property sold, it, it, there's a lien on that property that you must be paid when the property sold. Yeah. Water bills and cleanups and all those things are put on the tax bill, and you will lose your home if it's not paid. I, I support continuing this. I, I would like to see it come back though to understand what is being proposed and uh, and I support it because of the what we're hearing in terms of the crews and all of that effort that goes into it. And I'm on the other side, the lean and so forth. I, from Ashmo's perspective, I think it's been erratic in terms of those leans actually happening. So depending on who's, you know, doing it. I think some townships are better than others. So I don't I don't know that there's evenness, I don't think, in that, in doing that. So so even that is a challenge to get done accurately, appropriately every year. In the report there is a program review and that's is that what sort of the public program is on page page 22. Yes, starting correct. There's a, we did a couple of things in the report. One, we went through a, a detailed uh, description of what each would be, but the idea is on page 20, it starts off, there's a program structure outline. That's really a bullet point of the types of features oh. that we think yep, uh, would be good to consider for inclusion. And again, we look, we 
if we move forward, we would start fleshing out each one of these in detail to make sure it works. And again, I think your point is, yeah, we wouldn't ask that this group micromanage and administer the program, but it's that concept of are, are, what of these things seem to make sense for you guys and we'll pursue getting the details worked out of how we do So maybe, you know, that's, that's a two and a half page summary of what the program would look like maybe you know, we probably don't have time today but at the next meeting to sort of go through that point by point here's how here's what the program could look like here are the things that were spaghetti we're throwing against the wall and then know that from our standpoint again sort of the big picture do we support an affordability thing here's what it could potentially look like and then and then let it go but again what's what are you what are you approving are we just approving a general concept or are we approving an actual program that's a, that's going to be a i think just from a staffing standpoint probably we the ubc we'd be looking at ubc to help us frame the kind of parameters of the programs um and then from there you know we would work with consultants and others to say how do we actually build a program to do that but you know i think if we get we collectively the, the operators of the system get the parameters of yeah we want to include a b and c is kind of where we want to go but not d and e you know then we can work to build that program so with this with a program if we were to say yeah we support this thing let's work with the city staff and have them put something together do we need to approve this every year or is this uh once we do it it's it goes i mean it's because I what we could do is, is a, as ubc we support this but we see the program is, is falling apart and has serious issues and it's just unfixable we could just pull the plug at a time right yeah i think a, a new program is going to have budget implications every year so that yeah it would, it would get baked into the budget process for the water system and at that time just like everything else cip operations and now we maybe have a new category you know assistance programs yeah. you know how are they working how are we doing this year do we need to make changes going forward yeah we i mean we going into it you would understand you'd be making an investment in, and building the program. But if after a period of time we see as UPC, it's just not working and the costs are too high or the whatever, we could, we could stop it. Assuming we could stop it. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Right. And, and so for now, we'd ask that, I mean, there's a lot of information, but maybe focus on pages 20, 21, and 22. That's really the outline and talking about these are the major features that we think could be included in the program. So if you could look at that outline and in essence look at each line item and say, yeah, I like this or don't like this, or I think this should be modified. So that's really the project that outline. Give you a way to look at it piece by piece and say this makes sense. So that makes sense. And then one oh, sorry, go ahead. One more question is do you is it anticipated? The program like this would be uh, could move into the wastewater as well. I mean, I know that we don't have anything to do with wastewater, but it's if you're doing it on one side, do you do it on the other? 
maybe there's nobody here to answer that question. You. Yeah, I'm taking that. Yeah. So there's been a lot of discussions with, you know, there's an understanding that we send a water bill to folks home, and half of that, figuratively speaking, half of that is a wastewater bill. And, you know, so there, there is, I think, room and flexibility for uh, both UPC and the city commission to say, you know, we're only going to focus on water. Well, okay, but then we're still sending the bill to folks home. And, and we're, who's going to pay that, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of some understanding that we start at the department level. It's been our recommendation that this is includes both water and wastewater, and that it would include, you know, everybody in the system. It wouldn't be just, you know, we very clearly identified that for water contract. You can see this is, includes townships, um, but it would be our recommendation that it would include the wastewater side and include all. So it wouldn't be a fractured, in other words, it wouldn't be a fractured program. It wouldn't exist certain areas of the system won't exist water wastewater if it's before you know, the water utility is there. Water utility. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to make sure, James, when you look at 2021-22, that that these are things that are doable, and perhaps if we move forward, if we move forward, it would be nice to know, like, you know, it says like do an app and do this and do that, and that we would have some knowledge of that's five years out, this is four years out, this is three years out, or you know what I mean. That it's nice to say do all this stuff, but. When is it going to happen as well? You know, even if should everything move forward, that we would have some understanding of you know the education process is a little behind versus you know, start the financial side sooner or definitely something we'll want to flesh out, I would think. And that James is aware of what they're I'm sure you've read this, and but what they're saying is that there might be perhaps something out there you're thinking it's not happening for a long time. Now so, let's say do it, but yeah. Are you like Well, just the whole concept that you're very well aware of that these would be things that are doable. Correct. Yeah. So just because of an outline, you know, I will closer we talk about a lot of the components of it. So, you know, certainly we recognize that there's some capacity challenges of you know where we're at today right now and where this program would have us in some future state and we've got a bill to get there. Uh, we haven't lined out every line item and say we can deliver that tomorrow, we can deliver that one in two years when we can talk to say yeah, yeah. that's kind of the next task. Yeah. Yeah. You know right now we're, we're presenting this as you know kind of like a, a cafeteria and many other items that if the UBC would wish that we could do some all or none around right. these items and then you know we'll have to build onto that and say okay uh for us to do that we've got to you know get the software just that you're aware of what's on here um as well as you're aware of what's on here and that we're gonna actually have to add some staff that we need you know to do the educational process we might be doing appointments one-on-one -on -one or whatever it is or the aspect if it says like help people fix their stuff. Are we going there? 
you know, so it's just a lot of things. But just that James is aware of what's on here, and it, it's something that's possible, not necessarily that always nice to say we were going to do something, but or or some consultant says you should do something, but that's not really ever going to happen. <laughs> so just the thought. Yeah, I think just to give you address that a little bit. All these things on that program structure outline, we have vetted to a certain degree. So the idea being that yes, if we didn't want to create a BMF program, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that hence things like partnering with CAA because they already have an intake process rather than making it part of the city water system. Those kinds of things. So I think most of these things, that, well, all these things on here, we have vetted to a certain degree. So I can say that they they are reasonable, what I would consider reasonably implementable. It's just a matter of is that a feature for a program you think you want to have flushed out. So just to give you some yeah, no, great. That, that's program, good. Good. Perfect. You know, not, not meaning you're saying that, but we didn't just throw stuff up on the wall and say, here's an idea, here's sure, an idea, here's sure. an idea. Yeah, we did spend some time back. So I'm hearing this will come back in November or decision. Yeah. Okay. This is this we're not going to take action today. We'll come back in November. This item. Um, item B is the water and wastewater rates implementation follow-up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, both great recommendations. Um, just to ask, we're approved by a city commission. Uh, the wastewater rate goes into effect October 1st. And so that's all water bills that cross the desk of the city treasurer on or after October 1st will be at the new rate. And then drinking water will go into effect January 1st. Uh, same thing, all water bills that go across the city treasurer's desk on or after January 1st. I just I was at the meeting representing the UPC uh, when uh, James made the recommendation and I took the vote. Um, and it was it was it was nice. There was a recognition of the UPC by the city commission um, in this process, which was good. Uh, and as well as the city commission's consideration and uh, deliberation on the issue was very, very, uh, very good as well. So, long meeting, but <laughs> I don't know if they're always that long. Yeah. <laughs> In that way. <laughs> Our public works director mentioned in follow up to this that, um, that she's seen on social media all the, the spin rates going up. 50%, etc. Uh, made a comment that she would like to send educational information out to Ashtamo residents. So I we're considering that. So I don't know if there's an educational opportunity for system wide impact. You know, we did send a postcard out to every body on the system, all meter accounts that in a pretty simple postcard, it just kind of tells everybody that we're investing in the system and there's a cost and, and so there's a rate increase that's happening um it doesn't get percentage or numbers it just that overall concept of uh understanding that the costs are going up 
Uh, the other back side of the postcards then has some education and opportunity for water portability programs. So there's a QR code you can scan for your phone, and that will take you to our website, which has our current water portability programs, which include LIWAP um, and the uh, MyHop program, and then also the YouTube, the presentation we talked about today. So there, there is that education happening that uh, everybody should have that in their mailboxes uh, by this point or as it should already be uh, with them. And you know, if there's any further education that, um, that optional by you, we'd be happy to help you help out your fellows out there. Her one, that's that's good. And her one focus was educating people on how to look at their water bill so that it could keep up, that see it's going up 100% can actually look up their bill yeah. and see it's not the case. Just a couple yes. other comments about yes. that. Just because ultimately it does come down to a, a political vote at the city commission, and and I don't think anybody on the city commission got emails thanking them for raising the water bill. And and what you see out there mostly are people not happy about it or the comments. Press doesn't help either. There's one person at the meeting. I think it was the meeting we voted. I don't think it was one before. The person who got up and said, "Absolutely, don't do this." It's very negative comments about it. I don't know if you were there for that. And so it wasn't a room full, but that those comments were featured and, and headlined the article on the whole topic, you know. So that means that voice is what gets elevated to the top of the whole conversation, not anything about the work or the, or the UPC particularly. It's that it's that negative voice that comes up. And so we're gonna continue to have that headwind as it relates to this, despite I mean, things like way cheaper than Detroit, you know, that kind of business. So it's just going to be an ongoing issue. I think it's a great thing, a great idea that we're putting this in place at the beginning of the year instead of waiting. Uh, I think that was genius to do that, but also there were comments made, just to keep it in mind for everybody, that this is it for 23. So kind of don't come back and ask for more, right? And 23 is set now. And just along those lines, I just wanted to mention this too and it's kind of late on this, but we do have a proclamation because there's a, there's a National Day of Advocacy on Water, which is on October 20th this year. It's a national thing that is called Imagine a Day Without Water, and they do a bunch of stuff about that. And so we have a proclamation on our next meeting recognizing that on October 20th for what it's worth. Uh, and I guess we're talking about our, the average I don't know if we take commercial out of this, James, or not, but 80 gallons per person a day is more or less what our water system provides. Yeah, that's that's a like an REU number. I think that's what, what we would consider uh, residential usage, about 88 gallons um, per, you know, closer probably to household, um, but you could use the 80 gallon per person. They, there's all different figures for yeah, how much a household or a person uses it or something like that. Probably. Make sure it's right before we get the proclamation. Well, it's 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 uh it depends on what we're measuring, right? So if we're measuring like your the, your water intake, which you would need, is closer to 80 gallons a day. Doesn't mean you yourself growing out of your tap your tap, but that's going to help things like process the food that you get every day. Right. Know, some of those things as well. So from a mansion of day without water. That is going to get on the higher end of figures because we're saying, like, okay, what happens if we shut the water off? Then, you know, water for fire protection, water for flush toilet, and all that yeah. stuff goes away. Um, you might not use that figure for your bill because 
Thank you for those updates. Item C, water connections, extensions, and fees. We're still working on that. I expect to start conversations with said staff in the next short period. Capital Improvement Program. That's ongoing in terms of the township getting their plans to the city. James, the, the CIP program that we've got going on that was adopted as part of the, the budget rates. But the program itself is moving. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, ongoing. We we submitted a, a new five-year CIP through our budget process um, that reflects a lot of the input that we've been receiving over the last uh, 12 months or so. We're, uh, you know, our, our finance director, uh, CFO, is you know, kind of cleaning that that up and putting it into our our format. So once we've got that, um, we'll we'll bring that uh, to UPC uh, for some uh, you know additional comment. And then, in addition to that, all the townships are also working on kind of their own master plans and their own uh, capital improvement plans. So we are getting some of that. Uh, recognized Comtech Township has been, you know, providing us with uh, capital plans that we're kind of building into our capital plan as well. We're also receiving some of that stuff through the other townships through their their engineer. But uh, I recognize that I'm still working on that for uh, the larger township uh, build out. I'd also say that there's included in our CIP, there are things that we're automatically grabbing and putting in that are in the township, things that are uh, transmission, chain loops, um, things like towers and things of that, that nature. There's, so there's there's some of that that's already happening and going in, anything that's life cycle related, anything that's transmission loop related, that's already going in. So as you work with the townships, there's, not necessarily a need to for them to look at their system as like a independent and try to figure out what they need to do. The the real goal from asking the townships for CIP is to understand where they're headed for future development. Where are they going to build that next GM plan? Um, and how does where does that fit in in their master plan? Where does that fit in for you know where's the next crossroads mall going? Where's the next GM plan going? And what do we need from a water system to help build that? So that's more to that, not so much of what's existing and how we post it into the other stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Next item the city UPC appointment and the update. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any update this one. And then the status <coughs> of the rate consultant. Uh, we're working with our uh, purchasing department group on that right now. I do know that we've reached out to Mr. Bochamp and I've seen communications back and forth. So I say that's in process where we're you know, essentially requesting the, uh, the RFQ materials and that uh, we'll go through and uh, recommend Mr. Bochamp as a pre approved consultant. We'll then get uh, a letter certifying that and at that point they'll be kind of ready in the wings if UBC needs them then you can launch them off very easily from that point. 
Thank you. So, item 7A, the City Water Utility Financial Reports. Quarterly summary. Yeah, so what I received is uh, from the city, I received a 930-21, um, budget and actual reports, revenue and expenditure. And I just compiled them into this document. And I wanted to walk you through what's being presented in an effort to just help everybody be educated. So the next time we look at rates, we'll understand kind of where the numbers are coming from and going to. Um, I did want to point out, so for instance, when you take a look at the first page of this document, this is comparing 930.21 to 930.22. In between, I suspect at the end of 21, the city changed their chart of accounts, meaning they've changed some of the numbers associated with the programs and how they are um, approaching posting revenues and expenditures, which is good. I think the new perspective, the second column provides a nice feature where it shows us what's going into capital improvement versus it being included elsewhere in the prior year. Um, but it just gives you this perspective. So through 930 cash basis projects come and go, they expended water, $30 million in 21, 22, they've expended $27.8 million. That's the top line. And from a revenue perspective, I'm just going to go down to lines 536 and 551. You can see in 2021, the revenues were 16.4 million and in 22, they're 18.2 million. So indicative of usage or rate increase. And what my hope is, is as we go forward each quarter, we can look at these and when we roll into next year, we'll have two years with the same account structure. It'll be more um, easily understood, but regardless, at least we can take a look at the big picture revenues and expenditures. And these are the line items that I would just point out that in 2021, I believe some of the capital is in these other categories, such as capital project role when things are moving around. So I was just going to focus on the big picture top line items. And keep in mind also in the revenue side, there is a issuance of bonds component that can spike from year to year. But I was just pointing your attention big picture, what I believe to be the charges for water and the big picture expenditures for water and realize that reduction to 22 likely is all about when capital is being paid and the construction season will be coming to an end and I would suspect at the end of the year we'll see probably quite different numbers from expenditures on the second page this is just breaking that very same data into what I call the department and I don't work for the city. So I don't know the nomenclature or the verbiage that they would use and then a sub department. I'm just pulling this right out of the reports that they provide. And, and so if you wanted to see a little more detail, that's where it is. And on the third page, what I thought was informative was, um, would be informative, would be to, and we can go anywhere you want with this, but the first two pages were 21 versus 22 for nine months. The third page is the budget versus where they're actually at. 
So exactly the same numbers for 22 as presented on the previous two pages. <clears throat> but it gives you an idea of from an expenditure perspective, budgeted a very large amount of capital. And as the construction season comes to completion, and James has shared with us, projects roll over based on urgency and things of that nature. So likely they would always be over budgeting capital. And that's reflective in the rate calculation. Realize they are not saying if your capital is X, that's what we fund. They predict what you are actually going to expend. But it just gives you a perspective on, on the revenue and the expenditure side. You can see for water and sewer system, 6 million versus 4 million. You get down to pumping and supply. How are they doing? And so I put a percentage to the right saying, how far along are they compared to their budget? Now realize at the end of the year, there would be an accrual. So they are posting expenditures as they come in the door, is my thought. And as they get towards the end of the year, um, they will do the same when they pass 1231, they will start to move things from first. When they get to 1231-22, when they get into 23, they'll be moving things back. But just to give you a perspective of here's their budget, here's where we're actually at, um, and so from a, I, what I thought was interesting when you go down to revenue, you can see budgeted $25 million at 18. So we're at 71%. Hopefully we can hit the number that was predicted. Um, and, they, and, and a little insight that I have, I work with a number of clients that have water utilities. Summer is when deeper water and those bills with a quarterly basis are likely getting posted. And, the, the, the months that are will be coming in will be larger than the average. So hopefully we get to that number. And the fourth page is just showing that information, but again, including what I call a sub-department pulled right off of their ledger. And, and, and I just wanted you to be, become familiar with it, or I, I think we should become familiar with it. It's totally up to you. Um, but I can tell you that the reports that I received, otherwise you would have had 50 pages worth of information and I tried to summarize it here for you. But it seems as though the uh, utility is tracking with budget, the revenues are up, capital is occurring, and some of those other expenses, we didn't really get into the weeds. I have this in Excel. If you double click on it, you can see how much it wages and benefits. And maybe one day we would want to see a summary by that classification. But I prefer to do it a year from now when we have consistent accounting structure. So if you feel it's worthwhile, we should put this again on the agenda in three months and take a look at how did we do it at the end of the year. But I hope this provides some context of when we see the rate calculation, what has occurred and what are we expecting to occur. Thank you, Peter. And I think it's valuable to put it on again in three months. And I support the four-page version. Yeah, the four-page version. <laughs> Peter, at the bottom of each page, there's a line that says grand total. That is, what is happening is I get a revenue report and everything is a debit or a positive number. And I get an expenditure report and everything's a positive number. So it's adding revenues and expenditures. It's not making the difference between them. I could format it. So, yeah, so we don't have $162 million. <laughs> no, no, totally agree. It's actually the revenues typically are a credit in accounting, and the expenditures are a debit. And when you have it together, you get your back. But I just want something in grateful. I didn't even really think about it as I understood what was there. 
Thank you. Any other discussion? The utility financial policy item eight, any proposed update? That's something that I was to work on and the city has provided me with their bond covenant and the policy. And with your approval, what I'd like to do is bring you a summary. If you want me to put that together, um, what the bond covenants say. So I, I received the bond covenants or bond documents for multiple revenue bonds. And they're 40 pages each. And they're generally the same or similar. And so what I would bring to you, if you chose to do so, would be what I see in those documents. And then the utility policy committee, which has multiple pages, perhaps I could bring you just a summary of those things that we might have some impact upon if you would like me to go there. Otherwise, I can bring you 450 pages of stuff. Why does this always seem like a threat? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm more than happy to give it to everyone. And, and... I, I welcome the summary. And then we can have a discussion of what we want to address. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yes. One of the things in new business, which I think we neglected to note, just approving the invoices. Oh, yes. Uh, so we would amend the agenda, I think, to add that. We should have that on every, every meeting. Yeah. Um, I think that does need a vote to amend the agenda. If we voted on the agenda. Okay. I'll make the motion to amend the agenda to add approval of uh, professional service invoices. Or the motion by John or by Mary Anderson uh, to amend the agenda for the professional invoices consideration. All those in favor? Uh, aye. aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <laughs> And then we we go through one at a time. Yeah, yeah. So people kind of stay. We've got two from Pine and New Box. So I'm gonna move approval of an invoice uh, dated September seventh from Pine and New Box and uh, October fifth. Those two invoices. Or the motion and a. Second, to approve the Pine and Newhawk invoices. All those, any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Approval of the Vice Associates invoice uh, dated September 30th. Support. A motion and support. Any discussion? I'll be abstaining. James is abstaining. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Okay. 
Okay, I move approval of the invoice from Bradenville Hafner LLC, dated August 31st. I, I will abstain. Support. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Next item nine is committee member alternate attendee guest comments. So we will start with those online. Um, Steve, any comments? Everybody is un is muted. No comments here. Rich, might have fallen back to sleep. He's in a different time zone. <laughs> uh, Joe, no comment at this time. Thank you. And then, uh, Lizanne. Good morning, everyone. Lizanne Township. Um, I just wanted to check with James. Is it possible for you to forward a copy of the postcard with marketing materials that went out? Um, yeah. Because we can post that on our website and send it out in our reworking mail. Yeah, we'd be happy to do that. Okay, thank you. I also wanted to thank James. We had a broken band cover and had a huge hole in Elmwood Yard, and I contacted James, and the city responded very quickly, and that is now going to be gone. So thank you very much. Appreciate everyone's time. Yes, I think a couple of things. Um, just to go back to the water affordability study, I think something like that, there's something we look into the city, is what makes Kelvin a great place to live. And I think it's hugely important that we do move on at least to figure out what the nuances would be if you wanted to implement it. So I just want to make that comment listening here today. I really believe that. So. The other thing I wanted to mention is being an alternate. I know there's a lot of paperwork up there that I don't have. If I had to be on, I would love to have everything that's done. So that's the only thing that I have concerned about. Other than that, thank you. So we'll make sure you're on it. You should, all alternates should be on the distribution list of everything. Well, well I, get the, I get the agendas and I get packets. Okay. Um, maybe I missed something. Okay. We'll verify that you're getting everything. Thanks. Our intention. Yes. So, like Peter handed out some handouts today. Yeah, so yeah I'm talking about stuff like that as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That is helpful to me in case sure. I have to sit down yep. at the table. I'm not telling you why I had it. Peter's handout, we're going to make it part of the record too. So, we'll, we'll give it to Peter on. Thank you. For additional comments for me, I just have one I was going to. Speak to James Potter. I just bring it up here. Yeah, I'm curious as a customer myself, sewer system, but there's no water, so I'm not a sewer customer. I'm here today, maybe 80 gallons a day is an average, but basically, those rates are like 200 gallons a day. I can look at, I can tell you what exactly we're uh, facing the flat rate sewer. Yeah, I think we've got that in our, in our report. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I know we're finding it. So I, I just go out of hand I'm getting more than a customer, just sewer, water and sewer customer. Okay. Two seniors in the house. Maybe we can look at what we're facing. Yeah, I, can, I don't know how many customers we have that are covered. 
I think some of the challenge with what we call that a sewer fly rate customer is that there's um, I and I that were we just reestablishing back to customer account. And that's something that there's many different ways to do that. Um, you know, some of the sewer fly rate customers are contributors for I and I. Some of them may not be contributors to I and I, but as a system, we've got it's a I and I for those that aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like a um, a non-revenue source of water that kind of flows through the system. We track it, and our way of kind of accounting it is that we redistribute that into all the different customer classifications. Would you just say what? Uh, yeah, infiltration and inflow, but it's it's, yeah. it's non-revenue wastewater. Thank you. Well, your service address. So we'll have to check that. Yeah, I should have sent it because your service address is important. Okay. Yeah. We'll follow up. Thank you. Brian? In the township, we take care of some of the difficult times for the property tax exemption. For granted that we don't wait for the, the water sewer spills and they have some share that would not change their property taxes. So I just wonder how you treat those where somebody is getting the property exemption and not paying taxes. On the affordability, I have just two quick How do you do apartments and mobile homes that are on their bills, not separated? How do you help those? And then the last question is shut off. Do you do it by amount? What the determines what that what point do you shut off? Yeah, so right now the brief uh, temporarily sustained shutoff. So we're not currently going to shut off, but if we were to shut off, it's an escalation of arrears. So you've got you know the bill goes out and then people are complaining, then by the next cycle. And you're now in the rears, and there's just it's an escalation of that activity that then pops due to the to the shutoff um, that action has occurred. And so that's uh so right now we're we're not doing that activity, but it's that the escalation of a rears is what we're trying to show. How do you treat apartments, mobile homes if there's where the water and build on the yeah, so we treat it's just we, we don't see past the the bill. So we there's there's the bill that says this address there it's a bill. And so from there, you know, even apartment complexes. Now granted the apartment complex the bill was gonna be a bigger amount, but if that apartment complex doesn't pay, then technically would be a shutoff situation there as well. So then what the apartment complex charges then its tenants. Is on on them. You know, they could figure that out. Uh, we don't we don't go past um, we don't go past the maintenance, um, and that's there's a literal connection to that from our, our service crews. We don't go you know, into a service address past the meter, and we don't go there administratively either. Um, so as soon as we hit that meter, we're done. Uh, pull from a physical physical response as well. 
John, are we talking the directions we need to for sound? Wendy or James, anything else? And then uh, board members, Peter? No comment. No comment. I'm good. Nope. No, yep. Uh, nothing else but this time. Oh, I actually just one update. Our on November 1st, we have our Court of Appeals. This is, relates to wastewater. We're not here for that, but Court of Appeals consideration of our lawsuit against where we might be able, we think we're it'll will be decided in our favor, which means we can proceed with can, nine hundred sewer connections expansion. So at at 44% greater cost than in 2020. Yes. Yep. So, okay. We have exhausted the agenda. The next meeting is November 10th here and ending our journey. Thank you. Thank you.